0: We met in the springtime when blossoms unfold. The pastures were green and the meadows were gold. Our love was in flower as summer grew on. Her love lacked the leaves now have withered and gone. The rose
1: Hello, welcome to The Extra Credits, where we search for meaning in your favorite movies and shows. I'm Trey.
2: And I'm Kelsey.
0: Today we
1: are talking about HBO's The Last of Us, Episode 4, Please Hold My Hand. Yep. This was a short but pretty impactful episode. Mm -hmm. We learn a lot about this apocalyptic world through... A darkly funny National Lampoon vacation journey (laughs) and we also see this like deadly version of hide and seek from this angry militia throughout the episode so we have a lot to talk about today.
2: Yeah, it's like the last of us road trip edition.
1: (laughs) Literally, Uh, I want to shout out all of our new listeners as we go through this last of us journey we've covered the video game people like that we cover the breakdowns of the episodes people seem to really like those. And we're just lucky to have the screeners to be able to do this and put out episodes every Sunday night. So thanks, everybody, for listening.
2: Yeah. And if you're a new listener, uh, we make sure that we don't skip ahead when we're watching. So one Mm -hmm. episode every week like everyone else. And I haven't played the game, so I'll be asking Trey how it compares to the game. Yeah, And that's a lot of fun. Go back and listen to episodes one through three. Devastating episode three. (laughs) Yeah. but let's do episode four today.
1: Yeah. So on episode four, like I said, I think it was pretty awesome, except for maybe the last 15 minutes or so. And we're yeah. going to get into that. But Kelsey, I just realized before we started the pod, we're now sort of at the halfway point, even though there are nine yeah, I episodes, guess that's true. I guess. And I think it just hit me because the screeners are packaged in episodes one through four. So I think we're supposed to view this as the midway point of season one. So if someone who hasn't played the game and is new to this story, where do you think episode four matches up with the rest of the season so far?
2: Hmm, that is interesting that it's almost halfway through. I think- When we were used to having cable television shows, you had the kind of midway through finale, you know, of a show. And episode four definitely didn't feel like that to me. So that's so funny. I didn't really realize we were halfway through. But episode one is still the best for me so far. Mm -hmm. We get the introduction of like a character pre-pandemic or pre-apocalypse and post-apocalypse. Yeah. And then episode three is a really close second. It could maybe go up to the top uh, at the end of this. Who knows? Yeah. But where we actually explore what someone's life might be like in this world. And it was just a great side plot to this story that ended in the most devastating television episode since I think Station Eleven. Yeah. Which if you have not checked out Station Eleven on HBO and you are a dystopian. Oh my gosh. You know. Viewer, person, fan, go watch Station Eleven. I can't recommend it enough. It Uh, made me cry, I think, like every episode. I
1: would love an excuse to talk about Station Eleven on our podcast. I just want to unpack Frank rapping excursions and talk about Tribe for like 10 (laughs)
2: minutes. (laughs) But just because the first episode was my favorite doesn't mean I didn't enjoy episode two or four. I think they serve a similar purpose for me, which was to establish the rules Mm -hmm. and build up something that's going to happen with... Ellie and Joel, I'm assuming, right, we have to build a relationship with them in order for whatever I'm assuming is going to happen at the end of this season, uh, which is going to be huge. We have to understand their relationship before we have that impact.
1: Yeah, episode four is probably my second favorite episode, so I'm a little bit higher Mm, on it than you. I think what works about this specific episode more than the last three is that there isn't any complicated political messaging. And if you're a new listener, go back and check out our conversation on the cold opens of each episode, even the first 15 minutes open from episode three. There have been these like false ethical dilemmas we've spent a lot of time talking about, which are at the core of every episode that makes it difficult to fully love this show Mm -hmm. for both of us. And it's also what's tough about the game and why I don't completely love the game, even though I'm like addicted to playing it. So episode four is uncomplicatedly good to me. I think the moral question that Ellie and Joel have to face of whether or not they should kill the young man who helped sabotage their drive through the city is really the only dilemma they face in this episode, which is interesting because they are dealing with a threat of people right in front of them. So we see this ethical question, but it doesn't have those political messages that have lacked nuance to us, like the first few episodes had.
2: Yeah, agreed. Okay, let's jump in. Oh, smells like burnt shit.
0: What's this? Nice? I'm all turned around. So don't look at the state map. This is my second day in a fucking
1: car, man. Stop. Please help. Are we gonna help him?
0: No. this has gone too far it has to stop where is he we'll get through this i know
1: so episode four is really the road trip episode you put it best (laughs) i want to start with ellie what do we think of how the show explores her age we see she's messing with dangerous weapons that felt very real. Mm -hmm. We have that opening. Yes. The opening where she has these small moments of like smelling a gun after like uh, shooting it. Yeah. Just something like, I guess a kid would do. Yeah. Definitely something a kid would do. And then you have these bonding moments between Ellie and Joel with bad puns. Mm -hmm. Did you like how the episode jumps in without a cold open straight to highlighting Ellie's wide eyed, naive behaviors in different ways?
2: I think the episode was a good way to explore how like a young person might deflect the terror of this world right. in 2023 infected fungus. Mm-hmm. And I'm still worried about Ellie, like from cutting into that infected person's forehead and then stabbing yeah. the infected <laughs> A little
1: sociopathic. Yeah. yeah. And I
2: listened to the official HBO podcast this week where the writers, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, who also created the game, yeah. uh, They said that she had like a sadistic streak. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's scary. (laughs) I think we'll obviously talk about that later in this episode too. It's not totally uncovered. Mm -hmm. But when Ellie was reading the puns, I think I asked you, you know, wait, how old is Ellie's character in the show again? Because we teach high school and 14-year-olds don't act like this. (laughs) Like they're not reading puns i think they would probably like cringe at that and yeah uh, her behavior was more like what we would see in a middle school age so i just thought that was interesting and i also you know i'm an easy person to get along with okay i like to laugh yeah um but if someone pulled out a 30 page pun book to read (laughs) to me on a long car ride you want to be in oh my yeah. I would, I would be so annoyed. I would hate that. So
1: you would literally pull over and be like, we got to take care of this yeah. book. We're not. This is not going to be in this whole ride. Um, light that
2: book on fire. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah she is hyper realized as a 14 year old, but it is a, a kid in an alternate universe, you know, like she's grown up in an apocalyptic world and the people who she's surrounded by growing up, We're stuck in 2003 pop culture. So there's like a different comedy too. Mm -hmm. So I was giving the character a little leeway because of that. Also even just like her practicing with a gun. I didn't really see the sadistic stuff, I guess, because I played the game, Mm -hmm. but like even when she's messing with that zombie's head, I was thinking about how I've seen like little kids like uh, kill ants and stuff like that. Like I, I know that's not a complete, you know, connection or correlation there, but that's how I read it. But now knowing that the creator said it's sadistic, I am a little <laughs> I'm a little <laughs> bit curious to where the season's gonna go. I did like how she goes from her bad joke book to messing with Joel about Bill's porn magazine uh, yeah. to see the, you know, then the destruction of all the cities they pass on the highway. I mm-hmm. thought that was a really interesting awakening to the terror of the world outside the QZ where she's been stuck her whole life. I thought that was very effective. And ultimately the comedy just hit for me in certain moments, even if it was purposely cringy at times with the puns. Also. Quick note about Bill's magazine. Kelsey immediately said, why would she throw that out of the car and litter like that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think that is the least of humanity's problems. This earth is like, please litter away. You humans were the real problem and I've taken care of you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I I was like, what? Uh, but also, I mean, for people who are, are you know, understanding of Ellie going through this traumatic experience in this mm-hmm. world I understand that the puns are something that maybe she had growing up like they're kind of like a safety net for her yeah. like kids have a, a teddy bear or something and yeah, that's we don't need the to over-read only it. Yeah. yeah like thing that maybe brings her comfort I just hate puns okay yeah. <laughs> so i I want to stay on the highway too for a second yeah and we have the Hank Williams song playing and she makes that joke about like is this your generation he's like this is a little you know, before my generation, but it's still a (laughs) banger. Okay. And as the song is playing, the lyrics are talking about how things were gold once and now everything's frozen. And we pan through all these images of decimated parts of society. Like Mm -hmm. as we travel on this interstate with them and the roads are overgrown, we have like grass growing. You'd think you'd see more potholes. I understand though, (laughs) like they have to drive in the story, (laughs) but, um, And we see like this decaying roller coaster ships that are sunk when they're going over that bridge in the river. Oh,
1: I didn't see the roller coaster. That's cool.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the train tracks that collapsed right between those two hills and a train plummeted between them. And there are also a bunch of military trucks that they passed before they get to Kansas City that are overgrown. And it made you think or at least me think about sequences we've seen in other movies like mm-hmm. dystopian or apocalyptic movies where there's this like l- kind of last fight where yeah. everyone comes in. And so you kind of have that context in the back of your mind since we've had so many of these stories. Yeah. And ultimately you get this kind of overwhelming feeling of hopelessness. Yeah. It, w- um, it was
1: kind of sad. It was like the end of World War Z yeah. mixed with I'm driving through this walking dead like highway.
2: Yeah. I will say though, I think the Arby sign was like still somewhat intact, which yeah. maybe a shout out to like Bill and Frank.
1: Yeah. I, I love the great visual effects you're talking about on this drive. It is like a VFX, uh, dream, but I do love that you're shouting out Arby's because I literally thought of Bill too. So I, I like that kind of connection there. He was
2: like, they didn't give out free lunches. <laughs> it was a restaurant.
1: I think uh, I was hit with the video game nostalgia during the sequence because oh, okay. we are passing all the things that you're talking about and like trailer parks and wide grassy plains of emptied cars and tanks. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about all the scavenging you have to do in the game for resources to build med packs and other items. And then the craziness of this world is, really captured when the camera is back on Ellie's face, which is only something a TV show or a film can do that the video game didn't do really well, which is show how Ellie changes like after a day of driving through this dystopian nightmare, Mm -hmm. she's completely pale on the face at the end of the night and she's like horrified. Uh, And there, I think that's a really good parallel of her joking at the beginning of this episode to not saying a word at the end of this day. I thought that was really powerful. It's, it's, really just a, an important message, I think, for like this kid and how she's being forced to mature at 14 years old. I think the point of Ellie realizing all this is that she is not living in a joke. She's living in a nightmare. And it is character moments like that that are really showcasing the impressive writing from Mason and Druckman.
2: Yeah. And you get that sense when Joel says, OK, that's enough for today, because It is getting dark and I'm assuming they don't drive unless it's daylight just so they can see any threats around them. Mm -hmm. But he also is realizing how it's impacting Ellie. And it's kind of this like father moment from Joel where when he pulls off the side of the road, it's because he he's seeing Ellie like as a person, right, where she's emotionally in shock Mm -hmm. and she's seeing these scenes of major loss along the highway And I think he starts to kind of recognize how he's communicating things to her, like Mm -hmm. when he is scaring her later on when they're eating Chef Boyardee, which shout out to the staple of my childhood. Uh, (laughs) I was
1: a more (laughs) SpaghettiOs kid. Oh,
2: SpaghettiOs, yeah. Yeah. When uh, she asks him, can we make a fire because she's cold? And I just like the characterization where he is being real with her mm-hmm. because he thinks that that's his way of, of like being kind. He's almost like training her. Cause he's asking her, why do you think that we can't do that? You could interpret it yeah. as him saying it sternly, like a
1: sarcastic dad yeah, and yeah. being kind of
2: mean. But ultimately I do think he, he feels like he is teaching her why they can't do that. That's a good read. But The answer is not that they have to fear the infected. It's that they have to fear other people finding them. Yeah. And she's like, okay, well, we have to worry about them robbing us. And he says they have much worse things in mind. And I think he realizes, you know, he's scaring her before they go to bed, which not that he can't be honest with her. I think he's just, it's interesting as a character to see him acknowledge the impact that he's having on others
1: yeah i was totally in in this moment i think it's cool when parental figures are forced to protect those who are not their actual blood but these people that they're protecting they know are innocent it always makes for powerful stories and this scene in the woods is a moment we return back to at the end of the episode so again it's just good writing i like the correlation and then the next day we learn a little bit more about joel's brother tommy He's a firefly, and I thought that was fascinating. I, I always forget that from the game. That's just like a small thing they bring up. But I
2: remembered because that's like all I know about Tommy.
1: <laughs> okay, well, they really hone in on it in this moment. You know, Joel's saying he's a joiner. I think that's what he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he says Tommy was in the first Gulf, Gulf War. So essentially Tommy is optimistic about humanity, and that frustrates Joel, who thinks his brothers lost because of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I'm sure we'll come back to that later this season.
2: Yeah. And we have that interesting conversation there too, where Joel establishes his philosophy on hope, right? Ellie asks him, if you don't have hope, why keep going on? And Mm -hmm. he says, you haven't seen the world yet. So you don't know. And there's no hope, you know, in the world, you're only living for your family. And Ellie asks, am I family? Yeah. And he says, no, I made a promise to Tess, Who's like family your cargo and tough look. Yeah. I think the writers are kind of laying some groundwork right for the show. Mm-hmm. So that way we can see how Joel's character might develop later on in the season. Um, yeah. but before we we get into this, I just wanted to like note my reaction about the coffee. Yeah. For some <laughs> reason, when Joel was drinking that coffee, even though I'm assuming it was probably disgusting tasting, <laughs> I was like, "Man, I would miss my morning coffee." You
1: would 100% miss it. We're <laughs> I don't think we're that picky of coffee people, but it is an addiction. No, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to beat. I like my extra dark coffee, so I was into what I was looking at, even though. Bold. Like uh, Bella Ramsey did a good job of being disgusted by it. Uh, <laughs> so I was there for it. I am slowly moving into tea. So we'll see. Yeah. It's not great for podcasting. I've noticed. I like tried to have some tea before podcast. Yeah. Podcasts, it makes your mouth
2: really dry. Yeah, yeah. It sucks.
1: We have to stick to, to <laughs> no liquids. Um, so later that day, we find Joel and Ellie have to make a very relatable decision, which is to get off a highway because of some obstacle. <laughs> and they have to go through a city and have this family like argument that I found really funny. Uh, did you like that scene? Because, yeah. <laughs> I, because I knew it was going to happen because of the video game, but I was imagining people who were just like, oh, this really is a vacation like episode. Mm-hmm. Like We're just gonna be sitting with these people in a car yelling at each other. And Bella Ramsey has great comedic timing in this show because she's like, this is my second day in a car, man. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I love really that line. Stuff. It was so funny. And it was like really relatable too because who hasn't gotten in a directions fight? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I also like how this mirrored the decision in episode one, right? The highway was blocked by oh, all those cars in that yeah. case, and they had to drive through the city. So I feel like that that kind of emotion, I'm assuming was coming back to Joel, but who knows how many cities he's had, had That to would have been through.
1: a great PTSD moment, like how he had at the end of episode one where he had to fight that guy. It would have been interesting to see a PTSD oh, moment for oh, Joel, like how okay. he had with Sarah when he was protecting Ellie. Well,
2: so I think for this episode, that might have been like where we slowed down for a minute because we get this shot of Joel mm-hmm. when he go- gets out of the car and he looks under that big truck blocking the, the tunnel of the mm-hmm. highway and he just like bends down and looks through and there's this clear passage. So maybe that was, I mean, that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is like episode one where mm-hmm. now wherever, I forget what city they were in, Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. Now they have to go through Kansas city and we obviously know something's going to happen. Well,
1: what did you think about what happened? The ambush, the epic action set piece where yeah. they are attacked <laughs> and their cars crashed. Did you like that?
2: Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was really well done. And I liked the shot of the cinder block hitting their windshield. Yeah. I like the nails that were set up to pop their tires. Yeah,
1: I like all those moments. I thought it was a really successful sequence. I love the editing from things that you're talking about from the cinder block to the nails to the car crashing. I thought that was all very effective. I um I, I thought there was a really good moment where Joel looks panicked and it's only exaggerated yeah. by this fact there's a random man in the streets. I just thought that was really well done because he looks really scared when he sees the QZ is abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like, What's worse than the QZ, the QZ being abandoned? I just thought that was an (laughs) interesting thought. So I loved every second of that. I know people who want the show to be completely changed from the game and be something new and fresh. But I thought this was a really successful and clean adaptation in this moment because this is how you make a video game cinematic. Even after the crash, Joel tells Ellie to crawl through the wall and those small moments are very video Mm game-like. But then you have this cinematic moment that is also thematically... Uh, important, which is Joel going full dad mode, screaming to Ellie, like, look at me, go through that wall. Yeah. Uh, So I I love that. And then also we, you know, something we haven't talked a lot about at all this season, besides music drops, of course, and plugging them in, in this podcast, but there's incredible scores throughout this season. And especially in the shootout, I love that blast of this eerie electric boom. Yeah. As Joel was firing at the hunters. That was great.
2: Yeah. The music was really good during that scene. I, I realized when I put that down on my notes, I was like great sounds. And I was like, I really don't understand <laughs> at all how to describe music. Yeah. So that's something i I have to work on. Like, what are, what are the nuances of music besides blaring sounds?
1: Eerie. <laughs> I've said that like seven Cinthi. times on the spot. Yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, so that scene was really effective. And When Ellie's hiding in the laundromat office and sees that nose of this huge gun, like that was really effective in in the suspense building. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think either of them are going to die, you know? So, but I was surprised at how nervous I was for them, even just like knowing that they probably wouldn't die in this scene. And when she hears Joel getting choked out by someone and gets her gun, And then shoots that guy in the back. I mean, we have this really sad, intense scene where Ellie, who's a kid, you know, shoots, who also seems to be a kid, Brian, maybe not as young, but like still very, uh, very much like in his early stages of his life. And I think he asks them, you know, to take them to his mom and like tells them that he can't feel his legs. It was really just sad.
1: Yeah, that was actually more disturbing than what happens in the game. Like obviously, video games treat these kind of deaths like NPCs, non-playable characters, just getting bodied mm-hmm. by Joel and Ellie. Like that's what you're doing when you're killing people in the game. But seeing the conversation and bringing this person to life as a young man pleading mm-hmm. to be spared is really devastating. Like this obviously affected Ellie, but when we see Joel and Ellie come back uh, together with one another, she tells him she's good and ready to go, and Joel doesn't really know how to react. And he seems like he hasn't talked about his emotions of taking a life with anyone Mm. in probably 20 years because he's been basically nonstop killing for 20 years. And so he's kind of desensitized. I found that interesting, too.
2: Plus, he hasn't had to ask a kid about their emotions probably since Sarah. And it's obvious that Ellie was not okay. We see her crying when she goes back into the room. But in this environment, she feels like she has to bury it right when she sees Joel.
1: Yeah, we'll get back to that later. Um,
2: Wait, also, can we just acknowledge, though, that Joel just murdered someone?
1: Yeah. I mean, the central theme of the game is, is love more uh, terrifying than an infection that kills the whole population of the planet. So, I mean, that kind of furthers this theme of the whole story, even if we, like, have been kind of breaking that down all throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, I did like how he took the knife because that was very video game like. And I'll get to that later on because there's a lot of moments like this uh, this season. So I want to talk about my least favorite part of any episode this year. Okay. Which is this militia base. Yeah. I don't want to just like completely say it's terrible, but I was completely taken out of this episode. It was becoming my favorite episode until we kind of switched to this base. Mm Mm-hmm where I think we're supposed to assume this is a civilian run military that took over the Fedra QZ and it's run by someone named Kathleen played by none other than one of the original pod mothers on our (laughs) podcast, yellow jacket star, Melanie Linsky.
2: Yes. I cannot wait for yellow jacket season two. It's
1: coming out in like two months. Yeah. We're getting there. Someone
2: get your, you know, get ready for that seven day free trial (laughs) Showtime. Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) In that show, she plays a disturbed stay at home mom of sorts. And she gives off a similar vibe in this performance. Mm -hmm. I think her brother was killed by someone who was in charge and now she is in charge. What do we think about the casting of Linsky here? Because it is a pretty big casting.
2: Yeah. Love her in Yellow Jackets. Mm -hmm. I was really excited to see her show up. I didn't love her here. I, I will say that the second time I watched the episode, it was a better performance for me. But I think I would have just rather seen someone else in this role. Like If Tess gave me an order... I would be like, yes, ma'am.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: I'll do whatever you need.
1: <laughs> it was a little jarring with Yeah. I'll get into why in a second. I want to point out that she has one of the best Twitters I've seen in a long okay, time. Cool. I recommend people check her, her Twitter out. She's ruthless to trolls <laughs> on social media, which I love. Uh, but yeah, her character just fell off. Like having a mom-ish performance at the helm of this pretty brutal group. I mean, it sort of makes sense because these probably were ordinary people who took back the QZ. And we don't know her brother who might've been a wild person, but something took me out of the show when we're introduced to Kathleen, because this group she's in charge of are basically radical hunters Mm -hmm. and she doesn't exactly evoke Hunter. Even if they try and sell us that image of her, when she kills the man who delivered her as a baby, I guess, Mm -hmm. but something feels off about this choice and this casting. I love Linsky, but even the writing for her was tough. It wasn't just like her fault. At one point she's asked to read this line. I, I wrote it down have I satisfied the necessary conditions for you to talk?
2: That's hard to say. Yeah. And I was like, I don't
1: know who could deliver that line. Uh, So the bad writing doesn't help the awkward delivery, considering the kind of character she usually plays. I know this is an original Craig Mason character added to the story. That's not from the game. So maybe that was why I was taken out a little bit, because it is difficult to just add new characters to an existing IP where not many characters already exist. So we'll see how they'll develop her next episode. I I still have faith in the show and what they're going to do.
2: Yeah. Also, though, because we don't know anything about her life, it was tough. I know Mm -hmm. you said the brother like aspect, but for me, I just wasn't invested in general, I think, with this new group beyond being curious about how the QZ actually fell. Because like you said, it seems like the people overthrew a corrupt Federa. Yeah. 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 And speaking of the game, uh, what was up with? The basement, the storage room where uh, in that building where Kathleen and the soldier see the ground shaking. Yeah. Was that in the game? I was like, is that a bomb that hasn't gone off? Am I an idiot (laughs) for not knowing what this is? Was that infected underground?
1: I have no idea. Oh, okay. I'm excited for it though. I think I have a small idea, but the VFX is really intense. So it made it look like Godzilla was under there (laughs) instead of what I thought was under there. So I think I might know, but-
2: Is it gonna be like attack on Titan? That's what it felt like, yeah. That was, I mean, that'd be sick,
1: but um, we'll see. So we cut right from that floor shaking to Ellie talking about how she has killed someone before to kind of comfort Joel. And then Joel's like, I'm supposed to be comforting you. And Mm -hmm. so he shows her how to hold a gun, which was interesting. And, you know, that was kind of also telling for what I'm assuming will be more shootouts to come in the future.
2: Yeah, for sure. And later on, we also have an interesting moment where Joel says it's unfair that Ellie has to go through this at such a young age. Yeah, yeah. And she asks, like, so it gets easier when you get older? Yeah. To which Joel, I think, has this realization that maybe he hasn't been able to talk to someone about what he's gone through either. Yeah, Even though, you know, at one point in the episode, he does tell Ellie that, He, Tess, and Tommy used to ambush innocent people like what happened to them earlier on in this episode. And I think they'll talk about that more as we go on in the show, I'm assuming. And we'll also see Joel have more reflective moments.
1: We definitely will come back to that. So we end the episode with Joel and Ellie making their way to the top of, I guess, this random building Mm -hmm. to find a place to sleep for the night. And we get a fantastic bonding moment. Yeah. Really cute dialogue. Yeah. Warm performances. I've been waiting for this all season. If there's been any criticism for the show this year, it's been that nobody really cares about Joel and Ellie that much. Oh, okay. Uh, that's what I've seen at least, because I've you know, we've been heavily critical of the political messages or really lack thereof, uh the kind of like ethical fallacies of this show mm-hmm. and game. The whole season, I've tried to look for other people sharing maybe a similar sentiment, but I haven't seen it anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I
2: think most people, we're also an independent podcast, so I understand people with a paycheck maybe don't want to get into something that might be messy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming that's why people listen to us. Um, I love the fact that we got a really great moment to get more bonding out of Joel and Ellie here. And I love the final 10 minutes because of that.
2: Yeah, we have some great bonding moments here. And it also parallels the beginning of the episode where we see Joel tell Ellie that she's cargo, not family. Like Mm -hmm. not that they need to have a super close bond, like immediately. I appreciate that they are kind of developing it realistically throughout the show. Even
1: Ellie's like, yeah, I get why our relationship is transactional. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But also we kind of see Joel grow from when they first took Ellie because she also has possibly the cure. Like she is this hope that he feels like he wants to distance himself from. Yeah. But he also like, hasn't been attaching himself. We've seen even before he met Ellie two people, like he probably just doesn't want to get hurt after Sarah. And yeah. we even see when Tess says like, you, you know, you didn't love me. I never asked you to feel the same way I felt.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that's going to come back later. Yeah, this season. I'm
2: assuming, you know, he doesn't feel like he could attach to someone because he doesn't want to be hurt again and sees like everything as temporary. Yeah. So it was cool to see this kind of journey for Joel because we are seeing him be a little bit more open and he, you know, like comforts Ellie, um, throughout this episode in a -hmm. a few places and like 24 hours later, after he says your cargo, he laughs at one of her jokes, which was nice. And, um, I do wish the joke was funnier, though. You're not into <laughs> diarrhea maybe, jokes? Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm just a pun hater. I yeah.
1: don't know. We've made a rule for no puns on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It is like a tenet of the extra credits. i definitely made a credits. few, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say, ultimately, the runs in your jeans joke with Joel cracking up was great acting by Pascal. Mm-hmm. It was like completely fine to me, like the joke was, because the performances are great. And I'll continue to say this, even though Ramsey is being asked to play really you know, basically stereotypes of 14-year-olds. Mm-hmm. She is killing every scene she's in. When she says, I see you're laughing to Joel and she starts giggling, I start yeah. giggling. <laughs> that was great.
2: Yeah, the fade out from the two of them giggling was very sweet. And yeah. He's like, you go to sleep. And she's like, no, you go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah,
1: if we didn't get all this bonding, the cringe joke book that neither of us like at the beginning would have aged really poorly. It would have just seemed just that, just cringy. So I love this episode's ability to evolve all of its character beats throughout. Like nothing Joel or Ellie does or says is by mistake or to fill a runtime. Mm. It's all going to come back and it has a purpose. That might be why it was my favorite episode until the hunter group with Kathleen was like kind of shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a cold open with Kathleen's brother or something. I feel yeah, like there might've been great. something like that because it did feel very abrupt when she was thrown into the show. I would have been more connected to that side plot. Ultimately though, I really, really like this episode. It was easy to watch. And I think that's probably the most important thing you need when you have kind of a sad show. Plus there was no moral fallacies and therefore no deep dives for us. And Mm -hmm. this is what a normal podcast must feel like, (laughs) like not interrogating the ethical responsibilities of movies and television is a lot easier.
2: (laughs) And again, for anyone who hasn't listened to our episodes one through three, it's not that we're opposed to having interesting conversations or like dilemmas thrown into shows. It's just when they like kind of put it in there, but ultimately aren't really interested in having a nuanced conversation Mm -hmm. or depiction of that issue, then it just feels empty. And so I just want more from, you know, my, my media, my movies, my television. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, okay. Final thoughts on the episode. Okay. When we end this episode, we see Henry who the militia is looking for and his son, Sam, Mm -hmm. I think, right, son.
1: Uh, you'll find out.
2: Okay. And basically holding Ellie and Joel at gunpoint mm-hmm. was this in the video game.
1: Oh yeah. I'm okay. going to stay silent about this because Henry and Sam are really important to me. I know that sounds like corny, but they are for my time with the game. They're two of my favorite characters. So I'm excited to watch them in the show.
2: Hmm. Okay. So I have two final thoughts. One, it makes sense that Joel didn't wake up because of his hearing, Mm -hmm. Um, but also I think sleeping on those cushions, it was probably like the best (laughs) sleep he's had in months. Yeah. I don't know how long they've been on this journey.
1: I was just thinking of like, why would you put glass on? I hate when people like, well, I would have done this during (laughs) the apocalypse. Uh, I would definitely die in the apocalypse, (laughs) but I was thinking, why wouldn't you put a glass like right outside the room instead of in the room? That doesn't make much sense to me, but Anyways, I was actually thinking about how Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann have talked about the show, you know, being about, you know, love versus the virus. And also, like, what are the consequences to your choices? Like, that's kind of the the baseline question of the show. And Joel ended up making a choice, which was they weren't in trouble the night before in a forest. Mm -hmm. But he felt so bad about scaring Ellie that he stayed up all night. And the consequence Mm -hmm. is that he couldn't do that again. He fell asleep. Yeah. And so I thought that was pretty cool too.
2: Also, when I said that, wow, those cushions are probably going to like give them a great night's sleep in the show, you you said something like, I'd rather sleep on the floor. I'm a floor guy. Explain this. Listeners,
1: (laughs) you know who you are. Floor people unite.
2: (laughs) It's weird. Um, And then my second thing, when we see where Henry and Sam have been staying in this attic of this building. Mm -hmm that we get this shot of all these like paintings or drawing on the walls and it it just didn't look like regular crayon work you know to me it looked like pastel I don't know my crayons but like oil painting (laughs) and I was just like where's the community getting these resources yeah it was very good
1: very (laughs) frank-esque
2: yes all right so let's go ahead and get to our extra credits of episode four please hold my hand First, why is it called Please Hold My Hand? I
1: was thinking about this, but I didn't want to sound stupid. Is there something, is there someone where someone says, Please hold my hand?
2: I don't think so. I think it's
1: just kind of like meta <laughs> to like what LA needs from Joel. I guess. I don't know. Okay, somebody correct. Someone let us know. Like <laughs> yeah. Someone messages us on social. <laughs> check the description. Okay. Okay, so in our extra credits, we each choose what we think deserves more recognition about every episode of The Last of Us. Our extra credit can be a scene, performance, theme, score, camera angle, basically anything that we feel amplifies the film's greater messages. We're each only going to choose one extra credit. Kelsey, I think you're up first this week.
2: Okay, I'm ready. My extra credit is The Forest. Nice. All right. Uh, it was the best part of the episode for Interesting. me. I liked seeing Joel navigate this responsibility. He doesn't really owe Ellie anything, um, and we already know his philosophy On finding a cure and hope and just, you know, doing things for other people. (laughs) But uh, we also know that Joel is a father to Sarah or was a father. So he does realize, you know, the like emotional toll and shock that Ellie must have felt after they're driving on this interstate and seeing this desolated world. And it's not like he has a complete shift in character when he's cooking Chef Boyardee. He's still pretty stern, but I think he softens when he realizes that. He kind of scared her, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, he then answers her scarecrow pun. <laughs> and what was it like? Why uh, did the scarecrow the win an award because he was outstanding, outstanding in, his in his field? field nice. Uh, but he realizes, right, that she's scared, and actually, so is he. Yeah. Okay. So is Joel. It's okay to be scared, Joel. And I really like the scene where he does say everything's going to be okay. And then we cut to him standing in the forest, like on the lookout all night. It's so great.
1: great cinematography, great, great shot. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: and and then also the morning was funny too. Like Ellie hating the smell of coffee and dramatically like rolling back into bed. Mm-hmm. Like that was a, I think, an authentic like teenager moment Absolutely. to me. Absolutely, yeah. very good editing <laughs> in that scene too. Yeah, yeah, the close up with with Joel, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, but also not a part of my extra credit but i noticed a lot of product placement in yeah. this episode doritos in the laundromat i saw the doritos the Sarah yeah the sara lee truck blocking the highway oh. starbucks mentioned in the car yeah i mean are, is that product placement or is that just something that maybe the the writers wanted it to i'll make never understand
1: it, how sponsoring works or advertising works someone in television let us or know. film yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the uh, all that really works for me i think the Final scene is probably my favorite of the episode. Okay, I just like seeing them giggle. That's just not something I see Joel do in the video game. And oh, I think okay. it adds a, la- a layer of humanity to him that is not there yeah. in the game. Um, speaking of the game, my extra credit goes to all the video game knots in this ep- episode, oh, okay. which I feel really validate this era of gaming being a cinematic experience. From the joke book to the jug of gasoline. There's a lot of gasoline in the video game that you're just running around with trying to fill up like uh, <laughs> machines or cars. Yeah, Ellie in the show says you like have generators. to stop every
2: hour. Obviously, they don't show it because that yeah. would be a lot. But
1: yeah, and then also just taking the knife from the NPC, who is now a real man in the in the show. NPC <laughs> to Ellie being asked to move furniture so Joel can get in a room. Like that's a real thing in the game all the time, and especially the one where he's like, "Hey, can you climb through this window and open a door for me?" And if she takes too long, you're like, "Is Ellie okay?" So. I think these small decisions... Oh, when they're
2: breaking into the building to ultimately go somewhere to to sleep. Yeah, to go inside. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think those decisions really validate people who love the video game. And I think it even validated my experience. And I'm not a huge gamer. Also, my personal favorite that I don't think was intended... But in my video game headcanon, it definitely was intended, Okay, was when Kathleen and her soldier are in the basement and they open the door and they see the ground shake. And it is like a scene from Jordan Peele's Nope. And they immediately close the door and are like, we're good. And (laughs) I died. James can vouch for me, but I literally pause a video game when something scary happens. (laughs) And I like take a walk around the room and just talk it out. Uh, to myself sometimes. So I looked at that (laughs) moment as a personal shout out to people like me who don't like jump scares. I don't know if that was intended or not, but it felt like it was.
2: (laughs) I mean, I was uh, also for our listeners, James is one of our friends who comes on the pod Mm -hmm. and he also was on the video game pod with Trey and Adam from Eye of the Duck. But I feel like with this particular scene, like I wasn't that scared.
1: Um, and it the, really impacted you? Well, in the video game, I'm saying, there are moments when you open a door oh. and you see something. Okay. Like, okay, for you're example, like, oh no. Yeah. You, like, let's say there's a stairs going down down to the basement. Mm-hmm. If you open up a door in a video oh, game. yeah. And it's getting darker. Like when
2: Ellie found that latch in the in the exactly, gas station. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And you know, there's nowhere else to go. You go back to the door that you came into the house from and now that door doesn't open. You're like, why can't I get through the window anymore? And like, do I have to go downstairs? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, you do. So that's like when you lose the freedom in video games that I get really nervous. So I kind of felt like that was a moment where they were like shouting at people like me who just want to close the door.
2: Okay. I feel like with that scene, I would have been more effective if it was darker. Like they wanted to see it during the day and it didn't have the same impact for me.
1: Quick note. I am the person who loves when things are too dark. Like when everything is darkly lit in a television show or movie, I like that. And I know that there is a push. I've seen it on social media of things being lighter, but- Something that doesn't work for me about, like, MCU or Star Wars or even horror movies sometimes, like, any kind of big spectacle show or movie, I don't like when things are too light and bright. Mm -hmm. I just am completely taken out of it. So I completely agree with you. If that was really dark, the VFX would have looked better, too, and it just would have made the scene more interesting.
2: Yeah, kind of like when Joel and Tess in episode one were going through that like tunnel, uh, the sewage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a little bit more scarier to me, but yeah. Okay. So our extra credits, mine was the forest scene and yours were the video game nods, like making a video game esque, even like that that sequence with the ambush, yeah, yeah, feel actually successful cinematically.
1: Yeah, I think it's a shout out to gamers because often, like, this is one of the first really good adaptations for video games to the t- television screen. So I just like that they're not completely abandoning like what mm-hmm. gamers love, which are these small idiosyncratic <laughs> moments of a dystopian game, which is like just taking a knife from a dead person. Like that's that means a lot in a game. That's going to save your life down the yeah. road. So I, I, I like all Imagine of that. Imagine he
2: just like stopped for the health packs actually in the show. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so wait, do you have any... You know, questions for me as we yeah. wrap this episode. Yes. Usually, you ask me my predictions because you like to. I like uh, to <laughs> see where are see I have at, no idea what the
1: show is about. Do you think that we're done with cold opens? Because this is two episodes in a row so. where it feels like we're done with them. Sort of.
2: It's so funny in our first couple episodes. We we're like, okay, cold open every single episode. Yeah. Um, I thought it was
1: going to take thirty minutes of the pod every episode because mm-hmm. they're so politically driven.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think that if. I I like the cold opens. Yeah. Not necessarily what all of them have to say, but I I like the cold opens and I do think we're probably done with that. Maybe we'll get one more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you think we will find out about Kathleen's brother to start next episode? Maybe the next episode we'll have a cold open with her brother. I was hoping we would just get that this episode, but maybe we might in the next one.
2: I think we'll get some backstory. We'll, we'll like see how the QZ was overthrown. I don't know if Joel and Ellie will like join up with them. Like, Mm -hmm hang out with them for a little bit because it seems like Kathleen and the militia yeah. are like searching for Henry. So I feel like Joel and, and Ellie will probably link up with Henry uh, and Sam.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Henry and Sam, any predictions on that front?
2: That's my prediction. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you had
1: like a, like more of a personal prediction. Oh, like what happened? Well, cause it, I don't know if you okay. noticed, but Sam is like a kid. Yeah. And we haven't really seen many kids in this world.
2: Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. Okay. Is okay. That, you don't
1: have any thoughts? I don't
2: have any thoughts. All yeah. right. Fair enough. Um, all
1: right. Last question then. Okay. Quick check in on daddy, Joel. How are we doing? Are you more connected to him now? Is he progressed as a father like figure to Ellie? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's opening up, you mm-hmm. know, he, even though he's, he said, yeah, I'm not good at having this conversation of just like comforting you, uh, to Ellie. He is becoming more human and not this like stoic closed off person. Yeah. So uh Yeah, less I, and less I'm being of a rock. more connected to him, <laughs> but I also have no idea what's to come besides people saying like there are wild things that happen at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And besides the showrunners and writers, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann talking about how there's this question at the center of this of what will you do for love and this kind of ethical dilemma in that. So I feel like we're moving towards this and thinking about what will Joel end up doing for Ellie that we're, we're getting the groundwork of their relationship now. Yeah, I just have no idea what could be that drastic. I I think we're going to have to
1: have a two hour deep dive about the, Politics and ethics of The Last of Us when we're done with this season. Okay, well, I think we're kind of going up to that. I'd rather not waste the whole so episode weird to talking about that in the last in the last episode.
2: I feel like in this episode, I keep expecting to meet people, and like it's like we finally got there now. Yeah, but I I don't really know the interaction they're going to have with the militia and it doesn't seem more like what I'm used to in The Walking Dead where it's like we show up at the beginning to the town and the mayor and then we're going to have this conflict for like the next four episodes or something.
1: Yeah, well, whatever does happen this season, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to make the, you know, the predictions for the show to be crazy. So then you're just like, you're never hit with those like actual expectations. Mm -hmm. It's just what does happen at the end of the show is pretty, I think, culturally impactful. It'll start a conversation. uh, And I also think and part two of the game, as far as I've gone, they've kind of addressed it already, in a way that's also complicated. So okay. there's going to be a lot to talk about with this show for the next few years. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, without going too much into tangent, we should probably end the episode. This has been fun. Episode four, I loved it.
2: Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, this has, good. The, this has been the extra credits of The Last of Us, episode four. Please hold my hand. This has been Trey.
2: And this is Kelsey. Peace. Bye.
0: Where has she gone to? Oh, where can she be? She may have forsaken some other like me. She promised to honor, to love and obey. Each vow was a plaything that she threw away. The darkness is falling The sky has turned gray The hound in the distance Is starting to bay I wonder, I wonder What she's thinking of Forsaken, forgotten Without any love Alone and forsaken By fate and by man Oh, Lord, if you hear me